in the Bible. We'll be in chapter 6 this morning. And if you're using one of the Bibles we provide for you there, uh, it's page 151. Page 151. As you turn there, I want to uh, extend some gratitude to, uh, to several people. Uh, number one, if you were involved in our Serve Medford Week uh, in any way, shape, or for, uh, form, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we had a great week serving our comi- community. Many of you know that we had teams here from all over the country that were participating with us, helping us uh, shine Christ's light in Medford. So we had a, a fabulous week. It uh, culminated in our uh, community fun night uh, on Friday night. And I just want to say thanks to Pastor John Chastain. He took the lead on that. Uh, so let's give uh, Pastor John uh, some encouragement and love there. Uh, as, well as, as well as Emma Lombard, who took the lead in community fun night. So give it up for Emma. I don't know where she is. Yeah, she worked really, really hard this week. And since we're giving the love out today, uh, let's, let's be sure to thank our five summer linkers who served with us for the, for the past six weeks, all right? We had Anna, Karis, Chandler, Griffin, and Bradley, all right? They've done a phenomenal job as well, so please uh, give them a hug today uh, before, before they have to take off. And uh, we expect to see them all here again in Boston. In fact, we expect at least 80% of them to move here. Uh, so that's kind of part of the deal. Um, we all be happy with that. Well, uh, we are starting our, our four-week parenting series called Survive or Thrive, right? I want you to think about those two words, survive or thrive. Now, we can apply these two words to almost any situation or circumstance of life, right? In the workplace, I mean, you, you probably don't know if tomorrow is going to be kind of a survival day or a thriving day. Um, in your marriage, in your friendships, are they, are they surviving right now or are they thriving? And as we think about this, this awesome task of parenting, I think parents can identify and those who interact with kids can identify with there is this kind of continuum, this spectrum where it's usually kind of on one end or the other or somewhere in between where we we feel like we're barely surviving in this parenting uh, task and game or we we feel like, hey, you know what, things are, are going well, we're thriving. So as I think about survival mode, I see parents who barely have their head above water. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like things are not going to to plan. The kids are doing everything except what you have asked them to do. And and all of a sudden, you're thinking, like, what happened to my sweet kids? I mean, they're just going off the deep end here. And, um, and you know, it, it, it reminds me that even though God has given children as a gift to parents and parents as a gift to children, children do not come with instructions attached to their toes, um, as one of my uh, friends shared with me. And so, so this, this survival mode uh, can be difficult, right? It's like one Facebook mom uh, said this this uh, past week, I believe, she, she said, we really need to start teaching our kids the value of a dollar right from the get-go. Now, why is that? Because I would totally pay my three-year-old 50 bucks to take a nap right now. Yeah. So some, some moms and dads can relate to that. Some of you think of 50, man, I'd give them 150, but anyway. Um, so, so parenting is, is filled with 
desperately challenging moments, right? I mean, where we're just literally, we're dumbfounded, we're confused, we're scratching our head, we're, we're wondering what to do next. And then there are those moments where we're thriving. I mean, take my, my just an episode in my week this week. Okay? My week wasn't all thriving, believe me. Okay? I was surviving at some times. But, but I uh, picked up our 15-month-old, and I set her on the counter, okay? And she looks up at me, and she, that's a wink. She does that to me. And I just like, because we had taught her that a couple of weeks ago, Jordan. But, but when she threw that 15-month-year-old, uh, month-year-old, month-old, wink at me, I just did like the kind of Fred Sanford thing. Anybody watch Sanford and Son? You're just kind of so overwhelmed. You like feel like you're having the big one, like fall back in the floor, just especially to get her to do it again, you know? And it was just one of the most beautiful moments uh, of my week to see her winking at me again and again and again. And so as we, as we think about parenting, surviving or thriving, I think we'd all say, man, I, I want to thrive. I want to thrive, but it's difficult to get there. One, one Redemption Hill mom I got to hang out with as the Serve Metro Week was going on, uh, she, she said this, I really want to care for my kids well and point them to Christ rather than just making sure they are fed and alive, all right? And, and that's a... That's a, that's a an experience that we can all identify with, right? Keeping them fed and alive, that's surviving, all right? Caring for them well, pointing them to Christ, that is thriving. And so it's our heart as pastors. We chose this series because we want, we want to see our church care for children well. We want to help you as parents to equip and encourage you to care for your children, for our children well. And so that's why, as pastors, we're actually going to triple team this series, all right? I'm starting this week. Pastor John Chastain, our pastor of missions and discipleship, is going to take the next two weeks. And then Pastor John Reddy, pastor of community and, and administration, and also uh, our more seasoned pastor who has a lot more experience parenting than John and I, uh, he's going to take week four and back cleanup for us. Uh, but but we, we're spreading the love around, one, because we all care deeply about this topic, uh, but number two, we all come from different perspectives and, and experience, even filtered through God's word. And so we, we feel like we all have something to offer from a few of our successes and also many of our failures as parents. And, and I know that, that you can identify with that. So, so this morning, what I want to, to think about is what it looks like to thrive by embracing God's design in parenting, all right? What does it look like to thrive through embracing God's design. Uh, read the first few verses of our passage here in Deuteronomy 6. We'll read verses 4 through 6. And, and what these verses are going to teach us is that we should thrive as parents by pr- prioritizing our pursuit to know and love God. All right, look at, look at, look at how we, we see that in these verses. Verse 4 starts with this. Moses, speaking to the people on behalf of God, says this. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that parents thrive when they align their heart with God's heart and that is to know and love him. 
we see this knowledge piece in verse 4, okay? It starts off, in, and this is called the Shema. It was, a, it was the, the key statement for the Hebrews about God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God. He is the one that we are, are made to know and love and worship. You see, in the very beginning, God created all things and all people. And he made us to as people to reflect his image, to, to know who he is. And God has eternally existed as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God is the great divine parent. He wants to care for us and comfort us and to provide for us and to protect us and to lead us and guide us in the past that he knows that are best for us. Now, as you know, there have been times in our lives, perhaps this is even you today, where we've all deviated from his plan. We haven't followed his fatherly care and instruction. We haven't reflected his image and worshiped him with our lives. And yet God invites us to live under his fatherly care as sons and daughters through Christ. And so when, when God made man, he made us in his image, and he said, I want you to go and be fruitful and multiply. So in Genesis 1, the first command to parents, the first parents, Adam and Eve, were to, to, to fill the earth with more image bearers of God. What does that mean? It means that God wants to fill the earth with worshipers, with, with, with boys and girls who become men and women who know and love and worship God. So for many of us here this morning, we've been given the, the gift, the blessing, the, the undeserved privilege of becoming a, a father or mother. And so these are words that we need to hear. But as, as John highlighted earlier, and even in our church covenant, we talk about this every time we have a connections class, uh, to care for the children under our care, that is part of our church covenant. And that is everyone's job. Whether you are a, a, a couple that does not have children, whether you're a single person that is involved in the life of our church, not just in Transformation Station, by the way, although we always need help back there, and that's an awesome way to love and care for our kids, but just as we do life together, as we're having community groups, and we're out serving together, and we're interacting on Sunday mornings, look, I deeply care that Parker, Kesset, and Jordan have role models within our church, that they're not just looking to mommy and daddy and seeing that they love and know Jesus, but they see hundreds of other people who also are embracing Christ with their life and displaying the gospel to them. It is an awesome privilege that we all can enjoy together, this influence over children. So first and foremost, listen, it begins with the knowledge of God. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But then in verse 5, we're challenged to not just know God, but to actually love him. So look back at verse 5. Uh, what, is, what is the command? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These are the words quoted by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew when people ask him, what is the greatest commandment? There are so many commands that we have to follow. Uh, which one is the greatest? And he quotes these words. We are to love God with everything we are. It's not enough to know about God in our minds and to, to kind of sign off like, yeah, that, that would be good for me. But God peers into our hearts. He looks at our thoughts, our, our motives, our, our desires, our affections. He wants our entire being and devotion given over to him. 
And so verse 6 continues to emphasize this. It says that, that God's truth is to be on our heart. Again, this is not just knowledge, but it is an applied knowledge. When God's truth is on our heart, we are not just knowing about it, but we are actively engaged in living it out day by day by day. And so listen, our love for for God provides the fertile soil on which the foundation of of parenting will grow and flourish. It's our love for God. The children under our care will rarely move past where we are in our own love for God and discipleship, okay? At least as, as it relates to our influence in their life, okay? Yes, God may use other people, right? He, he may, by his grace, uh, put other people in their life that will spur them on. But as we'll see, it is our job as parents to reflect God to them, to love God in such a way that we are imitating him, and then our kids can look to us as we align our heart with God's heart, and then they can imitate us and l- learn to know and, and love and follow after God. So... Perhaps the first thing that that many of us need to do is just kind of discover or rediscover what it looks like to be devoted to God again. The best thing for us as parents is to wake up every day and commit ourselves to, to loving God afresh, following him, loving him with our lives. That is what positions us to be good and godly parents that are going to have influence in the lives, positive influence in the lives of our children. And I want you to think about this. This is one thing I've learned as a, as a pretty young parent, all right, six years into this. Um, one of the beautiful things about parenting is that God, through our parenting, teaches us so much about our relationship with him, right? where our heart is before him. I mean, have you ever been frustrated with your child? They've, they've deviated from your instruction, and you get so frustrated, and then all of a sudden, you remember like 10 minutes ago, you would just set aside one of God's plans for your life. Or have you ever uh, gotten just so uh, impatiently frustrated and angry that you just kind of you know, blurt out, why did you do that? And, and, and you, know, you know why... You did it, not, not they did that, but why you did that in that moment? It's because, not because you're ultimately concerned about your kid following the ways of God, nor are you concerned in that moment about honoring God yourself, but you are more concerned about the interruption that just happened into your own kingdom, right? Let's get at the heart. I mean, we, we you know... We, we were just planning to relax. It's been a long day at work. We just wanted to watch that television show for just a little bit or read that article. And so, um, you know, for our kids then to interrupt that is what really causes the frustration to well up in us. And then rather than we saying to them, why did you do that? God is kind of looking back at us and saying, what's, what's up with you, you know? So we need God to work in our hearts, to renovate our hearts day by day so that we will know and love him. So the first, the first question I want to ask every parent is this. Do, do you know God as your heavenly father? For you to really uh, 
point your kids to God first. You must know God yourself. And, and we, we, we get upset, right? We get sad when we think about children who grow up and maybe they've heard about their mom or dad, but they, they, maybe they know a little bit about their mom or dad, but maybe their, their mother or father had forsaken them at a young age. And we think what a tragedy that is. And it is. It is very sad. We need to pray for those kids and we need to care for those kids in our community and around us. But have you ever thought about how many people, thousands of people, I would say even in Medford, know a lot, a lot about God, but they don't really know God? They don't really know God truly. They're not really living their lives for him on a daily basis. They're not, they have not been adopted into God's family through, through Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says that Jesus came into the world and his own people didn't even receive him. They rejected him. But verse 12 of chapter 1 says, But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who believed in his name. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ to, to, to have this relationship with God connected again and thriving again that will position you to be the best parent or the best influencer of children possible, then that is the free gift invitation to you today through Christ. For us to thrive as a parent, we have to prioritize our pursuit to know and to love God. That's the first thing, all right? But then the second thing is this. We're going to spend more time here this morning. We need to thrive as parents by leading the heart of our children to know and love God, all right? We, we, we thrive by first aligning our heart with God's heart, and then we try to lead our children to know and love God as well, as they look at us, as they look at our lives. And so let me just give you a simple job description based on the, the words we find here in verses 7 through 9 of Deuteronomy 6, all right? It's this, point your kids to God's wisdom by teaching and showing them his ways. That's it. Point your kids to God's wisdom by teaching and showing them his ways. Look at these verses with me. Verse 7, it says this, you shall teach them, What? God's commands, God's words, what we've just heard, to love him with all of your heart, soul, and might. You shall teach them diligently to your children. What does that look like? God lays it out for us in great detail. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Right? So before we dissect this job description that we have as parents, I want to first ask you, what are your dreams for your children? As you think about your child's life, where do you see them at age 25? Where do you see them at age 45? Where... Where do you see them, perhaps even when you're not here at the age of 65? Do your hopes for them uh, center around them living in a a successful life, making many accomplishments as along the way? Maybe they have a successful career. Maybe that's one of your hopes for them and dreams. Maybe they're bringing in a lot of money so they can live kind of a comfortable life in a nice home, maybe with a nice spouse, even children, grandchildren perhaps for you. These are some dreams that we have, and they're not all bad dreams, by the way, right? I'm not saying we should look to have 
hopes and dreams that we raise incompetent children that, you know, do not thrive in life, right? And that's not, that's not what we're saying. But, but what we are saying is that sometimes that those kind of dreams become ultimate, right? Well, that's really what we're driving after. That's really what we talk about. That's really what we praise them for. We praise them more on their behavior in school or in sports or the arts or whatever the case may be as they are making more, more friends and are accepted by their peers. We highlight those things more than we highlight their character and heart before God. And so the single most important issue in our parenting is not what school we send our kids to or how much money they make, but it is giving them the knowledge of God and cultivating an appreciation and love for God. We do this in the, the formative years by teaching them. Okay? Verse 7 says that we are to teach them diligently to our children. So I want you to think about this, all right? As parents, what we do, hopefully, is we are signs that point our kids to Christ. All right? So they look at our lives and they hear the words that come from our mouth and in all of our verbal instruction and in all of our nonverbal instruction by the way we're actually living our life, we are to point them to God's wisdom. We are to point them to Christ. We are to point them to a better path. And so that is, that is the goal of parenting. We want to point them. We want to be a sign to them. And so that one, of the, one of the fundamental lessons we need to walk away with this morning is that we are the primary teachers in our kids' lives, all right? It's not, it's not culture, it's not media, it's not television. We spend, give them a lot of time probably in front of those kind of experiences, and it's not all bad, again. It's not the school system, all right? Our, our, our oldest started kindergarten this year at, at the Brooks Elementary in West Medford, and so they have the Brooks Bees, all right? I shouldn't know them by heart by now. Parker keeps teaching them to me throughout the year. Be kind. Be cooperative. Be safe. Be peaceful, right? That, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm really, we're really thankful for Mr. Andrew and all the, the efforts that they're making there at the elementary school, but it's not their job to raise our kids, and so most of you are saying, like, yeah, we get that. I'm on board with you there, Tanner. Well, what about this one? It's not our job as a church to teach your kids the Bible. Now, now do, we, do we do that? Absolutely. Do we help with that? Absolutely. Do we supplement that? Absolutely. Are we here to equip and encourage you in the task of parenting? Absolutely. But it is your job. It is your primary role, okay? We don't, like, outsource the most important thing in our life to someone else, okay? The most important thing in our kids' lives to someone else. We take the ownership because it is our given, God-given task. And so what, is, what does this teach us inherently? Well, I think we need to have this conversation as well, okay? As parents, we are God's representatives of his authority in the lives of our children, okay? So, so we're actually exercising authority with our kids. We're saying, you need to do this and not do that. This is the wise path for you to, to say no to that kind of behavior that stems from your heart before God, and, and we want to push you and lead you and encourage you to this kind of 
action and behavior with your life. You see, I know we live in this kind of anti-authoritarian culture, right, that, that has the attitude, man, nobody can tell me what to do. And this is because at our core, at the, at the core of our children's hearts and even at the core of our own hearts, we want to be God. We want to call the shots in our lives. We want to, 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 to make the decisions, uh, whatever they, they may be. But, but just think about this. No one hands me, all right, this is funny, Dave will appreciate it. No one hands me the keys to a pharmaceutical company right? Man, like I, I just, I would, I would burn it down in a few days, all right? Like probably literally and metaphorically, like I just would, all right? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not competent in that field. I don't know how to do that job, right? And, and the same is true for us as adults and even as children. We do not know what is best for us. That is why we need God to instruct us. We need God to guide us. All of God's authority is given in wisdom and love, And so as parents then, as representatives of his wisdom and love, we extend that to our children and we give them teaching, guidance, and instruction. And so think about your home. Whether you have young children or or they're in maybe middle school or even teenage years in in high school, um, who makes the decisions in your home? Who, who Who is giving the guidance and instruction? Again, it's, it's okay to give options at times, right? Like, you want dessert, okay, you can't have dessert tonight, so you can have, like, grapes or bananas, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a good option that's that they're out there. Um, but, but ultimately, we need to give our kids guidance in, in what is placed before them. Just this week, all right, surviving, survival mode. Um, I was told, someone told me, go get my breakfast, Kid you not. Go get my, this is, this is my four-year-old, all right? Go get my breakfast. And so I kind of just pause, look at her, and I said, who's, who's the boss in charge? This is how we talk to our kids. They can get that, you know. Not, but who's the boss in charge? And, and she actually didn't say it this time, but in, in past times she has said, I am. And then what makes matters worse is I say, well, where did you learn that, mommy? So, yeah, I don't always have it going on in my home either. Right? This is, the, the, the kids, this is, this is who they are at their, at their core, right? They want to make the decision. They want to call the shots. And it is, it is our job to help them see. The two clearest statements in Scripture are what? Honor your father and mother, Exodus 20. Verse 12, honor your father and mother. Listen to them, respect them, follow their guidance. And, and then Ephesians 6, 1, it, it echoes uh, Exodus 20 in the next verse. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. I mean, isn't that clear? Obey your parents, follow your parents' instruction so that it might go well with you. From birth to age five, the most important lesson kids can learn is that they need to live under authority. 
if we let them go on and on and on with mine and no and that's mine, then what happens is those, those mines and no's become size at age 8. They become eye rolls at age 12, perhaps. And then by age 16, they're storming out of the house, ready to do their own thing. And so as parents, do we have ultimate control over our children? Is there any guarantee that by the age of 12 and 16, my girls aren't doing that? I know that there's not. But at the same time, as we care for them, as we instruct them, as we uh, lovingly guide them into this better path, as we discipline them and teach them, then we are helping them point them to God's plan for their life. And let me just say this about authority. I know, I know sometimes it's, it's even hard to exercise authority as parents. I have this, this challenge as well, right? We want to be liked by our kids. We, wanna, we want them to have fun. We want them at times to do what they want to do, even sometimes when we actually know, you know, that it's not what's best for him. But, but, but listen to this. When our authority is exercised in love, our kids can see that. They can know that. Listen, I, I followed, most of the time, I think I did a decent job as a kid of following my parents' instructions, their authority in my life, but it was easier because I knew they loved me. They, they loved me, they told me they loved me, they showed me they loved me. And so as we do that actively in our children's lives, it's going to help them to lovingly submit to our authority, which is going to prepare them for what? To lovingly submit to God's authority in their lives. Now, now, does this ever stop? Does this ever stop? Do you, is there ever a, a moment in a parent's life when you stop instructing your kids? Well, no, right? I mean, does, does your authority decrease over time as you prepare to send them out of, of the home so that they're ready to function in, in the world on their own as, as responsible uh, adults? Absolutely, there comes that point. But there never comes a time when you, you don't, you're not praying for your kids, where you're, where you're not ready to be there for them, to instruct them, to, to help them along life's way. So the, the picture here of, of, of what what God is instructing us to and, and pointing our kids to know and love him is, is, is teaching them, but how do we do that? We do it consistently and we do it intentionally. Those are the two key words, right? We do it consistently and we do it intentionally. First, consistently. What we have here in these verses is a beautiful picture of complete saturation and immersion. The words of God are so important that that we would, no matter where we are, no matter what we're up to, that we would be ready to consider God's word. And so what this does not mean, okay, so we can kind of distort this, okay? This does not mean that breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they are receiving a sermon from us, all right? It doesn't mean that before school and after school, we're like beating them over the head with a Bible, all right? What it does mean is that God's truth colors how we see the world in every circumstance and how we help them to respond in any given situation. Now, we're going to talk. Of course, there is a time to give our kids the word of God. There are times to read them stories. There are times to, to point them back and open up what God says in his, his word. Um, but, 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 but let's have an accurate picture of what this looks like. It's consistent. And it is intentional. 
I want to I give you a few ways that you might practice intentionality as parents who are consistently instructing your children in the truths of God, okay? Number one, think about this. Find natural rhythms. Find natural rhythms, okay? We, what we have in Deuteronomy 6 is this picture of the family together, all right? they're, they're together when they rise, when they go to bed, when they're, when they're in the house and they're sitting at home, when they walk by the way. Parents and children are together. And this is, this is a word we need to hear in 21st century America because we live really busy lives and there are a lot of responsibilities with, with work and all of these things, right? And we have a lot of other hobbies and interests. And then all of a sudden, man, if, we, if we're really given an inventory of our week, and we should do this at times, parents, right? And we should talk about it together. Um, then all of a sudden we see that the, the quality time with our children is, is, is not like out here, but it's... It's, it's, it's really shrunk to somewhere in here. And so I agree with the statement of someone who said, quality time with children is quantity time. We need to spend time with our kids. We need to put away the, the technology ourselves. Okay, we need to set aside and sacrifice some of our own interests so that we can spend more time with them and be there, be engaged with them, be all in with them. So what might this look like, all right? I'm, I'm sure it, it looks differently for, for every parent and family, all right? But, but, you know, how often do you have a quality conversation with your children? And, and, and we're all here as, as kids here today, and we can think about our own experience with our parents, whether good or bad or somewhere in between. How often? I would say we should strive to daily. We may not hit that mark, but, but daily in some way, shape, or form, we should seek to have a quality conversation with our kids. We should talk to them about what interests them. We should play games and have fun. We should create things. We should go on experiences with them, whether that's a walk around the block or some kind of short or long vacation, whatever the case may be. What we're after is time together. And, and, and at the same time, listen, I, I know as we think about, man, to spend as much time as we possibly can with our kids because once it's gone, we can never get it back. You know, we need to hear that pretty often, actually. I know for some in here, perhaps, maybe you, you don't get to see your kids as often as you like. Maybe you don't have full custody of your kids or you have friends or family who have that experience. And, and let me just say, number one, I, I can't imagine how hard that would be. But, but number two, all the, all the more reason, right, to maximize that time, to come in with a game plan, to, to love and to care for them and to keep in touch as much as you possibly can. We, 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 we build this kind of culture of imparting God's word to our children as we spend time with them. Some of the natural rhythms that, that we have found are just, just easy for us um, are at mealtimes and bedtimes. You say, well, that's easy. And I was like, well, good, it is easy. It's easier. Let's not make this complicated, right? When we sit down for a meal together and we spend time together, we talk about our day. What, it, what, it, what, what, what happened in your life? What, what, was, what was fun? What was exciting? Was there anything that discouraged you? Why was that? Okay, again, like... I, at times, I might have a verse that's on my mind that I might throw into the prayer, and maybe that comes up again in conversation, but, but mealtimes are a great time to impart the Word of God to our children. But then, number two, uh, for us, really what our family devotionals look like consistently happens at bedtime. 
All right, so bedtime, there's a routine, all right? We go upstairs, brush our teeth, do our thing, get ready for bed. That's what they're doing at least at 7-ish. That's early, I know, but it's really nice for parents, by the way. Um, and uh, and so, so, what, so what happens, all right? Um, after they get ready for bed, then we try to spend some time. Again, this doesn't happen every night. We, st- we strive to keep it consistent nightly. But, but what we'll do is we'll maybe take a story out of a resource like the Jesus Storybook Bible, and we'll read just a few pages to our kids and hit the highlights. Make sure maybe they get just one idea, one point that's relevant to their experience as kids. There's another resource, the, the, uh, the, the Big Picture Storybook Bible, excellent resource written by David Helm. Sometimes we, we even kind of go more simple than that. There are times where for, for an entire week, I'll just take one verse and I'll try to help them learn that verse over the course of the week. It can be as simple as Psalm 18.1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. That's a pretty easy verse, right? And I'm not necessarily a visual learner, all right? A little more auditory. You might not be too surprised with that. And, and, but I, I try to go ready style, all right? My man, John Reddy, he's more of a visual learner, if you know John. And so I'll be, I'll be teaching them signs. You know, Marsha kind of laughs at me. But, you know, I, I love you, oh, Lord, my strength. Isn't that easy? You guys like that? Try it with your kids. It'll help them, right? It'll help, ready? It will help them learn the scripture, Right? So, I mean, you can be as bad as, it, as I just was, and, and they can still get something out of that. Another way that we, we introduce God's word and God's truth to our kids is, is through this resource that we've had on our resource table for a few years now, Redemption Hill. It's called My First Book of Questions and Answers. It's, it's called a catechism. And a catechism just means a way of teaching by asking questions and, and providing answers. So we ask questions like, who made you? And the answer is God. The next question is, why did God make you, make you? He made me for all, for his own glory. What else did God make? God made all things. Why did God make, make all things? He made them for his own glory. These are ways that we can introduce truth to our children. And then after we introduce God's truth in some way, shape, or form, we, we always pray with them, and we ask them what they want to pray about, and we have something strategic that we want to pray about as a family. Oftentimes, it's for for, for some of you, right? And, and then we also sing to them. And we sing with them. And we sing songs that they like. And we sing songs that we want to introduce them, them to. And, and you know what we're doing? Think about this. You know what we're doing when we pray with them and we sing with them? We're diligently teaching them. We're teaching them. When they hear mom and dad pray, they're learning who God is. They're learning to pray. When we sing songs together, They're learning the truths of God. So the idea here is that we're we're finding time, whether at the beginning of our day, whether in the the middle of the day, the latter part of the day, at the end of the day, we're finding time to naturally introduce the truth to our children. And we do that quite imperfectly at the Turley home, but we are giving it our best effort to thrive, right? Right? Number two, this is, this is one I really love. This is easy. Recycle what you are learning. All right? So at Redemption Hill, we try to talk about all the time. It's not about addition. We're not trying to add a thousand things to our lives or a, a long checklist as parents that, you know, we have to impart God's word at, you know, 9 a.m. and 1030 and, you know, write them a little, like, be creative and, and do all that you can. But at the same time, we, we want to intersect what, what, what is happening in life so that we're not adding more pressure on top of us. And so what this means is, what is God teaching you? 
What are you learning from God? What, what did you learn today that you might take away from this morning's worship and you might emphasize with your children this afternoon and through the week? What is it in your devotional times through the week that God is teaching you that you can impart to your children? You see, to be able to, to teach God's word, we have to know God's word. That's why we regularly want to ask one another at Redemption Hill, what are you learning in God's Word? It's a simple question, but it's a vitally important question. What are you learning in the Word? Because if we're not actively learning, we won't have anything fresh in our heart to give away to our kids. And so listen, if, if you don't have a Bible this morning or if, if, if you misplaced it, we would invite you to confiscate one here this morning and take it and go read and learn so that you can influence those around you, all right? Recycle what you learn. And then number three, look for teachable moments. All right, kids are going to miss the mark, right? They're going to miss the mark, and so we need to, 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 to work through that with them to discover uh, what was happening there so that we can encourage them along. When they, when they make the mark, we need to applaud them and encourage them and, and spur them on. And so I know next week we're going to look at what it looks like to... to to help discipline our, our children. Uh, but, but let me just give a few, a few guiding questions that might be helpful to get you started ahead of the game, all right? In these teachable moments, all right, as a life is happening and your kids are, 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 are talking back or not following through on your instructions, hey, take your plate to the, to the counter, you know, that type of thing, um, what are some questions to ask when they deviate from God's plan in these teachable moments? Okay, here are five questions. They're very simple. All right, number one, we want to ask them, and I, need to, I, want to, I really want to implement this in my own uh, household. Uh, what happened? Here, we are just helping them process the situation and realize the situation, all right? Number two, we are going to ask them, what were you thinking and feeling as that happened? So what, what we're, we're doing here is we're helping them see where they went wrong. We'll never confess our wrong before others or God if we don't, if we don't see it. Then number three, what did you do in response to the situation or per person? In other words, here we're, we're getting at the heart. What is driving our behavior is always what's going on in our heart, which is related to the fourth question that gets at our motives um, that, that ask, what were you seeking to accomplish? There's usually a goal with all of our behavior, and there are motives behind our actions, so we need to help kids process this. And then finally, what was the result? Help them see that their actions have consequences. So, so, so think about this, okay? This is, just, this is just a simple set of questions that we can engage our kids with, but, but what happens if this, if this is, is exercised one or two times? It may help them for a few moments, maybe a couple of days. To but, but what happens if, if, if we're consistent and intentional and we come with this set of questions not just one or two times, but literally hundreds of times over the course of their life that the conversation may change as they grow, but we're having the same kind of questions because we're trying to point their heart to know and to love God's own heart. So, so, so in light of this, in, the, in light of these teachable moments, let me give you two encouragements, all right? Number one, there are thousands of moments that happen throughout the, the, the course of your child's, not even just life, I would say their year, 
right? Thousands of, thousands of opportunities to, to em, em, embrace this kind of framework, right? But then number two, some of you are thinking like, well, well, Pastor Tanner, you're up here talking about how you teach the Bible to your kids and you read them stories. And I mean, you're a pastor, right? Like, it's e- it should be easy for you. I've never done this. I'm intimidated by it. What about me? Well, we'll just, let's just kind of uh, break this down, all right? At, at any given time, we can teach our kids the simple framework put off and put on, right? We can see and we know from God's word that, it, that it's not, not right to be impatient and angry, and so we can help our kids put that off to put on self-control. We can, we can tell them to, to put off lying. Kids, your kids ever lie before? Yeah, mine too. And, and so we can tell them to put off lying and put on honesty and help them through processing these questions how to get to that better place and better path, right? Number four, and and we'll wrap up with this, commit to a church that teaches the Bible in a loving, relevant, and unfiltered way. So we at Redemption Hill, we're we're not the only church, right? If you're looking for a church, we'd love for you to be a part of our church, but there are other churches that love Jesus and and preach the Bible in a a clear and compelling and unfiltered way, all right? But I would say get in a church like that. It's going to help you equip your kids. It's going to be, uh, have a place like Transformation Station where you can, you can follow up on what they're learning there and, and teach them God's word as well. So as we move to a time of prayer, let, let, me, just, let me just ask you as we kick off this series, are, are you in survival mode right now as a parent? Or are you thriving? And I suppose for many of us, like Tanner, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. But I think we could all say, you know what, man, I, I don't have this thing figured out. I'm not a perfect parent. And so the encouragement to you today is, is we're all in the same boat. And that what God wants from us is progress over time. Growing as we grow to love and know him to help our kids do the same. So, so as we conclude in prayer, what I want to do is invite, invite you to do this. I want you to think of one or two parents. It may be your own parents. It may be someone in your community group or someone in this church. Maybe someone sitting next to you know that they are a parent. I want you to pray for one or two parents now as we close up our time and we move into a time of responding to God through song. Okay, let's pray together.